Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creator producer Leo Garcia. Joined as always by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Is this the first time Ben's worn a hat on the pod? A millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Being ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Guys, today, when this podcast is released, Peacock launches. Now then, I'm a rube, so I don't know much about anything, but I think there are three tiers to, to Peacock. One that's free, one that's $5, and one that's $10. Now, first of all, let's address the rube comment. One that's been dispelled through multiple editions of the podcast. Two, you definitely shouldn't be a rube on this topic because you set the budget for our streaming wars guide like each time. So I think you know you're correct in terms of the price tiers. Um, but yes, no, Peacock is is, is finally here. Uh, technically, it's been available for, I think, Comcast subscribers since April. Um, but that was April a, 15th. A, yes, that was a, a quote unquote beta version, right? It's like a soft open. Yeah, That's soft good. open. Yeah, that that works. Open. But yeah, like the the, the tiers are are somewhat self evident. They they or at least they they're intuitive in a way in the sense that the free tier um, gives you I think seventy five hundred hours of programming or most of of the library slate that's uh, NBC Universal is launching with, um, whereas the five dollar option gives you all of the programming as well as all of the originals that they're launching with. And then the nine ninety nine option uh, removes ads from the experience, so you get the full full boat of the, of the library of the originals of of late night TV, news, sports, all that stuff, as well as uh, ad free experience. But the the real emphasis of Peacock, the way that they're trying to distinguish themselves from the rest of all of these streamers, is because they're free, because they have a free option, because it's primarily an ad supported service, and whether or not. You know, the generation who wants to cut the cord will accept and adopt an ad-filled TV viewing option is kind of the big question mark looming over the launch. But uh, they're fully behind it. That's part of the reason that they're kind of trying to work in in congruence with their, you know, cable providers. But, um, But yeah, it'll be an interesting rollout. I have no idea how to judge its success or failure, so we might just have to wait and see. I don't know. I think they're off to as much of a rocky start as HBO Max is for many of the same reasons. They are um, not available on Roku and Amazon Fire. So that's that seems like a, a pretty big speed bump right off the bat. Yeah. Also, uh, things are really moving around as far as what was going to be what was promised on launch, what was going to be available where um, specifically like their NBC's late shows were supposed to air on Peacock. Like it'd be available on Peacock at eight or nine ahead of their actual broadcast. But now that's not going to happen until they're back in the studio. 
Yeah, they're citing think, COVID-related issues as to why that's not right. available. Which, uh, that may be. But, like, it, when I talked to Seth Myers last week, he said that he, they have to get their stuff booked and done and, and sent in far earlier than they did when they were doing the uh, live show. So um, I, I'm willing to suspend disbelief on that front as far as not making it available with launch. But uh, it's just, it feels like, you know how everyone was complaining about HBO Max and like not knowing what was on there? Like that's how I feel about Peacock because there are plenty of like big headline like NBC shows. And I know it's not just an NBC streamer, but they're big NBC shows that are not on there. And it's weird. Look at all these wonderful Peacock shows. We've got 30 Rock. That's very exciting. It's fun. I'm going to go talk got, to some food about this. We've got the Carol Burnett show. That's nice. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Of course, Cheers, obviously. That's got to be on Peacock. Everybody loves mm-hmm. Cheers. Parks and Rec, going to be right there. JJ's Diner, let's head over. And of course, the staple, Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> fucking obviously. Classic NBC shows. Yeah. No. I remember, I remember that uh, must-see TV lineup. Uh, with everyone loves Raymond leading right into Seinfeld. I was just like, whoa, crazy. <laughs> Power block of comedy. Yeah. It was Friends, Everyone Loves Raymond, Seinfeld, and then the Carol Burnett Great. show at 930. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny because they would break. <laughs> <laughs> they would break the space-time continuum to air the Carol Burnett sh- show. Too. Speaking of must-see TV... 30 Rock is kind of in the news. I'm not even sure if it was... It was on whatever the next iteration of Must See TV was. But there, there's there's a 30 Rock reunion, you know, a, a, a virtual-esque reunion happening, uh, much in the same way that, that Parks did uh, a reunion. Um, but the news that's half-fitting is that most affiliates will not be carrying. Roughly half the affiliates. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not, let's, not go, let's not go crazy. It's not most. It's just half. It's just yeah. an even split. Um, yeah, no, that's a problem. The, the, the NBC stations have reportedly refused to carry this 30 Rock, this 30 Rock reunion, which is also doubling as NBC's upfront presentation. So it's their like big ad for the company about what's going to be coming out over the next <laughs> six months to a year. What? Nothing about this makes sense. Like every TV show featured on 30 rock was like an incisive criticism of the like modern state of television uh like reality tv like things like that so having that cast they're introducing new content um and what the future of nbc is is just gonna make it all read like it's just ridiculous terrible things and from what i've seen of netflix of nbc's future it, it won't be that far off um, yeah, no, I feel like it's just a be... weird vibe. I mean, isn't that the pilot for 30 Rock where Jack explains to Liz Lemon what synergy is? It might not be the pilot, but it, it's somewhere very early in the sh- very early in the show <laughs> where he explains yeah, synergy. Uh, and well, this feels thing, like, like a synergistic move. So much of so much of this idea at the onset had people talking about how this is just 
this is ripe for a 30 Rock joke in and of itself. Like, this is something that 30 Rock would have created to make fun of as, like, an illustration of where the network wouldn't really go, but it's not that far removed from a strategy, so you can believe it, so that it's funny, and now it's really happening. And the same can be said about the the strike, that, that they're going to create this special that people aren't going to be able to see or only half the country is allowed to see because it's skewed too much toward advertisement. Like the, you could see the bit being that like Jack was trying to infuse it with more and more synergy until it reached a level of saturation and then it exploded and nobody got to watch it. It, it has, it has very big, uh, pre-taping a, um, fund, uh, uh, a fundraiser for an, a natural disaster energy <laughs> yeah. exactly. or setting off fireworks in, in downtown. New York. Well, guys, to today's today's topic is the comedy acting categories uh, at the Emmys or, or nominations, I should say. Uh, we'll start with lead actor, uh, which last year was won for the second time in a row by Bill Hader, but Barry is not eligible. Your guys, your guys' picks are, I think, nearly identical, with the only swap being. Libby, you have Eugene uh, Levy in the first spot, and Ben, you have Ted Danson in the first spot. But otherwise, it's Eugene Levy, Ted Danson, Larry David, Rami Youssef, Don Cheadle, and Steve Carell. The other big switch is, Libby, you have uh, Michael Douglas in the sixth spot instead of Steve Carell. So I guess there's two. The two distinctions yeah. are, Ben, you have Ted, Ted Danson in the one spot as opposed to Eugene Levy, and then you have Steve Carell as opposed to Libby's Michael Douglas. Convince me who's right. right. Who's right? Uh, Either of us, probably. Yeah, that's that's the safe bet. And then I would be happy to convince you that Libby is correct and that uh, Eugene Levy is is a very well liked actor who is on a show that is, I mean, uh, on a rather small network, but elevated by uh, being distributed by Netflix as well. Uh, and it gained some momentum last year by breaking into some of the major races. People see this as the final season, an opportunity to reward it. It's highly unlikely that it wins in multiple categories. And since this is a weaker competition compared to, say, comedy series or comedy actress, then Levy seems like the way they might want to go. If they're going to give somebody the award uh, uh, in in the bigger comedy categories again, uh, then this would probably be the one. Well, you just made the I argument for Levy. <laughs> so now, Libby, make the argument for Ted Danson. I mean, I think it goes to to speak again to sort of those actors whose careers have um, spread several decades in Hollywood. And Ted Danson is a, a very well-liked, very well-loved actor um, and appears to be a good person, uh, give or take a black face. It just this this is a this is a kind of a mess of a year in this category. I know I say that with everything, but Hater not being there really like puts it off balance. It's crazy to me that Steve Carell has never won. That he's been nominated six times and never won. And not that Space mm-hmm. Force is what he should win for. But that's that's like that a That would be terrible. That would be a son of a woman level. <laughs> Uh, let's make up for our mistakes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's if he wins for morning show. Ooh, ooh yeah. Uh, uh, no, well, that's, sorry, I think Apple. I think that's the thing about this category that's that's interesting. I think you can craft a narrative for just about 
any of the top contenders. Like Ted Danson hasn't won since 1993. And the fact that he's won is great, but that's a long time for TV royalty like Ted Danson, especially when he's been on some really well-received programs. And anybody who's arguing that Schitt's Creek deserves uh, a a big recognizable win for its final season would have to say the same thing for The Good Place, objectively speaking, because it's the final season as well, and it hasn't really pulled in that, that marquee name. And then Larry David for Curb Your Enthusiasm, he had a healthy year. Like a lot of people were talking about Larry long after Curb Your Enthusiasm um, ended or continued long, I mean, much longer than they did for its revival season last year. Um, So like there's a lot of goodwill behind that guy and, you know, he hasn't won an acting yet. So maybe it's his year. And Rami coming off the Golden Globe win with the hot new Hulu show. Like there's a lot of ways to to look at it. And Carell, you know, even though he's, barely squeaking in as of now by most predictions. Um, he's still that guy that people feel bad, never won for the right show. I think, you know, it really feels like one of those things where um, the top six to eight aren't really that far above or in front of the rest of the, uh, the rest of the um, eligible entrants. So it feels like this is one where we could get, three new candidates who have never been nominated before. Like if they wanted to, to just clean house, they won't. But if they wanted to, there's a lot of weird shit they could pick up and, and, and put in there. Um, friend of the, friend of the be, pod, Paul, Paul Rudd. Yeah. No, I mean, if they love that performance, that gets it. It's, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting performance. I'd say far more interesting than some of last year's nominees. This is also definitely a category that once the nominations come out no matter who is in it the the ranking is going to change because if it's clear that you know there's a Shit's creek surge or a curb surge or a good place surge or the opposite then the odds of them winning in that category are going to be affected so it's it's a it's very much a wait and see thing in terms of who's winning right now but in terms of who gets in yeah i completely agree there could be some surprises what aside from paul rudd friend of the pod in the spoiler section, would you really love to see enter the fray as one of the the six nominees? Oh, I'd really, I'd love to see Jim Carrey get in, but it's never going to happen. Like in, in an on paper, it kind of feels like he's primed to to get some awards recognition right now because he had a very successful movie this year. His book just came out, which got him a lot of press around the nominations. But it's just a bummer that nobody seems to be talking about kidding. Showtime burned off those episodes last year in like, you know, two at a time increments. Um, It seems like something that that just kind of missed the radar on a lot of fronts. And his performance is fantastic. Like he's just, he's everything you'd want out of a Jim Carrey performance. Um, And it's a bummer to me that he's, he's so far gone. But, you know, you can say that for a lot of people. Who are who have been really really good to watch like Randall Park and Fresh Off the Boat. He's always been so good on that show and just so solid and created such a distinct character within that world. And it's just not a showy kind of performance, so it's not going to get him uh, the recognition that that some of these other guys are are getting. And Zach Galifianakis for the last season of of Baskets, again another show that was recognized early on but it's just kind of dropped off the off the radar so i don't think we're going to be surprised by those names but it would be a stronger category if they got in so lead actress which was won by uh libby's pick last year phoebe waller bridge 
Libby had it when no one else had it. I did. Uh, no, I didn't go that far. Nobody. No one else had it. I was the only one who backed Fleabag. (laughs) So obviously there'll be no repeat uh, victory for Fleabag, not eligible. But is there a chance for Rachel Brosnahan to reclaim her spot, which she had won the previous year? Uh, In terms of your guys' picks, again, you're pretty much identical until your sixth slot where, uh, Libby, you have Linda Cardellini. And Ben, you have Merritt Weaver. Not really six slot, but you know what I mean. In your six, that's the only name that's different. Yeah. I mean, Cardellini, for me, comes off of the strength of... I feel like I know a lot of people who really love Dead to Me. And um, Cardellini's been around for a while. She seems like a good egg. Uh, She was apparently the beating heart of Green Book. I don't know if anyone heard that. Um during that Oscar campaign, but, uh, what a statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the type. Ta- that's the takeaway from the green book. She's also uh, in the Marvel movies. All right. So just, just to be clear, you guys, I wanted to say all the names, Rachel Brosnahan, oh, Catherine sorry, O'Hara, Christina Applegate, uh, Issa Rae, Pamela Adlon. And then, as I said, Libby, you have Linda Cardellini and Ben, you have Merritt Weaver. So Libby, you would have both of the dead to me leads nominated in this category. I would. I think we're going to see a lot of doubling up in categories this year, and it, so it wouldn't surprise me to see it there as well. I don't know. I feel like the affection for that show and for both of the actresses will be enough to sort of propel it into that next level of of comedy series. Um, it's it feels it feels very much like uh, comedy's Ozark to me. Um, I don't know what that means, but it feels right. <laughs> comedy's Ozark. I would say that those shows are are much more similar than anyone would want to admit, considering that Dead to Me is not a comedy. So the fact that it's off my charts, other than Christina Applegate's, is probably me being in denial out of out of pure protest because absolutely, I, I, just, I just don't. I, I I acknowledge that it's extremely popular. Um, I know that it's gotten some pretty good traction between uh, last year's Emmys and the Guilds this year, but. Carlini is not somebody who's been able to break through and the show hasn't been able to break through in a, as big a way as they had hoped initially. Um, that very well may change with season two. As you said, it, it it's just very well watched and Netflix is giving it a huge push and those two, both, both of the leads are pretty much TV royalty. Like they're infallible at this point. Like they're, they're very, very good no matter what you think of the rest of the series. So if they're going to double up, I would believe it. And at the same time, Merritt Weaver, her show just got canceled at HBO. So I, that, that has not always stopped nominations before, especially if it's more of a kind of a multiple season kind of thing going on. But for a first season show that never really caught the buzz that a lot of people wanted it to or thought it would or whatever, um, this one seems like she might just fall off the radar. But I don't know. Like it also came at the end of voting. Like it, it came, the cancellation came toward the end of it. It didn't necessarily get the same push as some of their other comedies. Like Issa Rae and Insecure got a much bigger push and rightly so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm very torn about it because Weaver is just somebody that the Academy loves. So I, I don't know. I, I would say it's worth noting that, that there are other actors from who've been nominated in the past who've kind of been, a little bit overlooked at this point, namely Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda for Grace and Frankie. Like it seems like 
the dead to me leads are, are kind of taking over that shot for Netflix to get two people into the same thing. But I could easily see that sixth slot fall into Tomlin again because they just, they love her and they've nominated her a bunch of times already for that show. Um, and it's not like that show's over and it's not like the fans of that show have been disappointed. So um, it's kind of like either end of the spectrum could happen. There's been a, a big surge around Elle Fanning for the great, um, but Hulu, uh, don't know how much, you know, how many people have actually watched it. The renewal helps, but it's still kind of an hour long comedy, which is awkward. So uh, I'm not sure it's got the momentum, but but either of those are kind of, it's like the ones we forget and then the ones who are repeatedly told, were repeatedly told, hey, they could get in too. And you're like, I, I, okay, we'll wait it out. Let move on, moving on, moving <laughs> on to supporting actor, Shaloub. Uh, All right, we're done. Uh, moving on to supporting actress. <laughs> Shaloub. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> obviously t- Tony Shaloub will be nominated and will most likely win. Uh, but in terms of other potential nom- nominees, uh, currently, Ben, you have Dan Levy, Keenan Thompson, Sterling K. Brown, Alan Arkin, Mahershala Ali, James Marsden, and William Jackson Harper. Libby, your first five are the same, with the exception, or then, and then you have Louis Anderson and Nicholas Holt, ex- except instead of James Marsden and William Jackson Harper. So you're pretty strong on those first five. It's such a, there's so many nominees in this category. <laughs> yes, there are. There are a lot. And most I mean, of them are from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's crazy to me, Ben. You're in a perfect world, which means they're like, there's a lot, they're a longer shot than the spoilers. Have three people I would absolutely love to see nominated. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. Walton Goggins had a great year between The Unicorn, which is a very fine CBS kind of episodic family sitcom uh, oh, where he's God. being like a kind of straight dad every guy which is a weird thing to watch Walton Goggins do which kind of makes it entertaining unto itself and then he's on the righteous gemstones as this insane singer person who has the best original song of all of television yeah. this year um I, I just I would love to see Goggins get in there like he's so good and jb smooth always and and andre brower always so what if the academy went all in on righteous gemstones and none of us saw it coming i told you guys i forget when i watched it but i I remember coming into the office and saying like i rarely laugh out loud at things and i i hate most comedy but righteous gemstones (laughs) is like one of the you really do one of the few things that like surprised me and made me laugh uh out loud well Well, I, i mean I think that points to the the really challenging part from a prediction standpoint and an exciting part from just a, a TV fan standpoint of having so many nominees in the category. It's like, yeah, Shalhoub, we know. And Dan Levy, yeah, sure, that's probably a lock. Alan Arkin is somebody who, with this many people, it seems like he's he's kind of got to get in because the way that people adore him is just, even if that show has really fallen off, even though it didn't start that high up. Um but yeah, like like Mahershala is somebody who isn't really a lock, even though he's Mahershala Ali. You you everybody loves him. He did a great job in that show, but we don't know how Rami's going to perform. 
Um, James Marsden is somebody who, like, a lot of people didn't even know was coming back in Dead to Me Season 2. So, like, his new kind of different role, spoiler-free talk here, um, is is makes him a lot more endearing as a character, which means he's that usually helps get the votes out without, you know, distracting from him actually giving a good performance. Malkovic has been what people seem to agree on about Space Force as like the bright, shining look what he's done. This guy did a great job. Um, William Jackson Harper is somebody who I just, I really thought was going to be kind of the breakout from The Good Place if it climbed up from just like Ted Danson and writing like if it was able to kind of expand the nomination count, William Jackson Harper would be kind of the next actor to get the get the nod. Um, and there's still, you know, so many more. There's still like 50 marvelous Mrs. Maisel actors who are who I haven't named who could get there too. So um, I'm I'm excited to see how it turns out. Even though as as somebody who's supposed to be able to predict this stuff, I'm terrified of being, you know, 60 percent wrong. I, I would have no problem with that in this category though, because it's such a cluster like i i don't know um 251 uh submissions in supporting actor in a comedy series and 241 for a supporting actress it's just it's a lot that's a lot of people and they're all pretty good yeah it's it's also it's another question of kind of how will people approach it too like is this year going to be a year where they fall back on old favorites or you know venture out into new territory because people like Alec Baldwin for Saturday Night Live and Ty Burrell for Modern Family, like they're still on the ballot. There's still people who are watching those shows or watch those shows. So it's really hard to tell where they're going to go or, you know, for God's sake, give Mark Maron a nomination for Glow. Like he's been, uh, oh, the show's so good. Just, so good. Well, moving on after the category of Shaloub uh, to best supporting <laughs> actress, where some of Tony Shalhoub's co-stars <laughs> seem to be in the driver's seat. You guys are, again, very similar, at least in the top portion of, of the ballot. Ben, you have Darcy Carden from The Good Place uh, and Haim Abbas, uh, whereas Libby, you have Rita Moreno and Yvonne mm-hmm. Orji. So those are sort yes. of the, those are your, your differences. Uh, the ones that you have in common are Alex Borstein, Jane Lynch, Kate McKinnon, Marin Hinkle, Betty Gilpin, and Annie Murphy. Uh, so you have Schitt's Creek getting nominated in all four categories, both of you. I think, yeah. I mean, I think there's, it is its final season. It does have a lot of buzz. The supporting categories have so much room in them. Um, I just think it's a safe bet for those, for for Levy and and Murphy to get in there. I don't agree with the people who think like Emily Hampshire is going to get in. Like there, there are some people who are just like, who are going very marvelous Mrs. Maisel about Schitt's Creek. And that is, I feel like I, I feel confident enough to say it unequivocally, that is not going to happen. Um, but I, I guess more power to you if, if you think it is. Um, yeah, I only put but, Murphy yeah. in there as soon as it expanded. Like, until it expanded to eight, until we knew there were going to be eight nominees, Shame. she's not making the cut. So I, I I completely agree with everything Libby just said. I think it's, it's again, one of those that you want to believe if you are a devout fan of the show, that it's ready to make that jump. But there is not a lot of evidence to support that. So No. And 
me putting Rita Moreno in there is is just I don't understand how they haven't nominated her before. It's a great performance. She's a literal living legend. Um, it, it's just it's weird to me, and I'll keep banging that drum. And Yvonne Orji, uh, you know, uh, Insecure had a very buzzy season that aired straight through voting, and I believe her character had a really prominent storyline. So I don't know, uh, and and she deserves to be there. Uh, so I, I think. I think Ben and I are pretty, I don't think we hate each other's picks, like where we diverge. Um, I know I hate some of my picks just because I know they're going to get nominated and I don't necessarily agree with it, but Ben. A uh, completely unrelated note, I will say that me having the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel 3 at 1, 2, 3 is completely indecision over which one is actually in the driver's seat, as you put it. Um I don't necessarily think it has to be one of those three that's going to win, but I do think that that show and whoever their kind of, whoever the Academy's favorite representative seems to be, will be in a position to win. You know, Borstein obviously is right there. Lynch is very popular. Hinkle is somebody who's kind of like the one that people like to remind you is also doing really good work because the other two have gotten their spotlight already. Um, but the most important thing this year in, in this category is that Betty Gilpin gets nominated for Glow. And that's all I really care about. There's plenty yeah. of other deserving talents. Um, but I will just be crushed if if voters forget about one of the best comedies on TV. So that's where I'm at. Well, here is another place where I, I, I enter my gripes about the comedy races is that Glow had its... My favorite season, uh, season three was my favorite season of the show. I'd say arguably the best season of the show. And it's just because of when it came out, it's just, it has nothing. It had no buzz. And and, and it feels the like. the new season didn't get to come out as scheduled. They didn't get to finish it. So it couldn't exactly Right. It's just, um, it, it was just really unfortunate on every level and. It makes me sad because you have a bunch of women doing a bunch of great work. Also, Mark Marin, and who's also doing great work. I mean, everyone on that show is doing great work, and yet they just can't—they just can't catch a break there. Uh, well, we should note that that Ben and your uh, listing the the marvelous Miss Maisel trio in one, two, and three. Uh, Borstein has won this category in running years, and previous oh. to that. Kate McKinnon had won it in running years, right? Yeah. I think the biggest story Previous there, though, that, is that... Allison Janney had won in years. <laughs> so, and then there was Merritt Weaver's year, and then the year before that, it was Julie Bowen twice in a row. So, so I, I would, do like to repeat. I did well in patterns in school, so we need a new winner, <laughs> and they got to win two years in a row. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh... The real race in that category, I think, is between, yes, between Borstein and Lynch, because they both won last year. Um, Borstein won for supporting, Lynch won for guest, and now they are both supporting. So, Godspeed. Yeah, I want I want a weird pivot. I want them to just, I want, like, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, ever, nobody can decide on who to vote, vote, for, vote for for Maisel, so they split. 
and that it opens it up to whoever's left in the category or what. But I, I, want, I want that wild card where it's just like, wait, Betty Gilpin won? She barely got, like, I didn't, oh, that's okay. Like, I, that would be. I mean, is uh, that not, is that not a fair, I hope so. is that not a fair thought to have with, ha- if there are three nominees from the same show that, that they would sort of siphon votes from one another? It's, it, it's not, but it hasn't hurt them before. You know, it's not, this is not the first time they've had multiple nominees and categories. Um, I think people have their favorites. I think Borstein is the obvious, I think this is the first time that Borstein has had actual competition within her category um, from her own show. Not that Hinkle isn't great, but it's just, it's just about how the parts are written. And, um, and yeah, so that might be interesting. The, that may be a position where you see um, Borstein and Lynch split votes and then something interesting happens. And by that, I probably mean Hinkle wins, but I, I don't know. It is interesting. Like last year was the first year that Borstein was up against another Maisel actor. So it was her, her and Hinkle, but it was still an extremely crowded category. There were still eight nominees. And it was the last season of Eve. So Anna Chlumsky, who'd never won, had her last shot of winning, which seemed like, come on, give it to her. But Sean Clifford and Olivia Coleman were both in there for Fleabang. So then the question becomes, did Sean and Olivia split votes? And that's how Borstein ended up winning? Or was she just that dominant that even in the year people flipped out over Fleabang, that Borstein was still the pick? And then again, that makes you think, okay, she's probably ready to go again this year. But We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out once we get the the nomination totals. See where where the enthusiasm lies. Whether we can cross our fingers for an upset. Uh, I think I think I mentioned it while we were in between categories. But it, this is another one where you're in a perfect world. Selections would be great to see them uh, recognize Judy Greer and Kidding and Divine Joy Randolph in High Fidelity. Would be excellent additions to the nominee list. Somebody vote for. <laughs> Too late. They voted yesterday. It. It's that time of the show, Libby. I have yeah. searched. I have searched the word Quibi on Google, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the stories today have to do with the fact that Quibi actually won uh, a lawsuit, a patent lawsuit for its turnstile uh, feature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Apparently, there was another company that was suing Quibi uh, over that, and and the thought was that if Quibi couldn't use that, there goes one of its like crowning achievements, like one of the things that it actually does well, allow you to watch sure. in portrait mode or uh, uh, horizontal. Right, and that sometimes it's used creatively, and right. Uh, but it did win, so it gets to keep using that that feature. Okay. However, we'd be remiss. If we didn't make note of uh, the news that came out last week after we recorded, where uh, a Sensor Tower report noted that uh, of the users, it assumed Quibi was going to convert from its freemium version to to paid, uh, around 8% of subscribers stuck around. Uh, yeah, so I had... Did you say the number 80%? I saw... No, 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8%. 8
before they got charged. Probably not this a lot. This is what I told people. This <laughs> is what I told people when they were like, who is still paying for the, who are these 72,000? And I was like, you know, in 2015, there were still people paying for AOL. Like people sign up for stuff and it auto deducts and you just don't notice it. Um, I mean, hero is a bet. strong word, but I, <laughs> you can use it if you want. That's fine. Ben and Libby, you're my heroes. Thank you so much for making sure that I unsubscribed from Quibi before I got charged $5. You're welcome. So in light uh, of that news, I have to ask you something. Uh-huh. Are you sure you canceled Quibi? <laughs> and I have a follow-up. Let me check. Is Quibi dead yet? All right, I'm going. Going. To, I'm gonna. Well, I can't answer. Ben can't answer the first question, and I'm not even right. sure if I can. The, the second question: There are seventy-two thousand strong, so they're not dead yet. Uh, those those subscribers are. Can we look up some um, numbers, some subscriber numbers for for other streaming platforms? I mean, maybe? Disney is what at sixty million, sixty-five million, <laughs> I think. Uh, but no, those those seventy two thousand. They're going to be like a little succulent. You can see it, like just peeking out above soil. And I mean, if you get it just right, if you just nail it, like don't overwater it. Give it the right amount of sun. All of the delicate in like balance of life that goes into to growing that thing out. It might reach a hundred thousand subscribers. Like it might become a full fledged succulent in which it is, you know. Noticeable five dis- real Five-year right? plan. That is a plan. That is a plan. Cool. Five-year plan for Quibi. Hundred thousand subscribers. <laughs> it's good. That's uh, good. That's reasonable. Leo, are you one of them? Nope. Expired. <laughs> Quibi. Yes. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and NYR. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video, Bjork talking about our TV, and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson, our publisher is James Israel, and our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite series now available to stream on Peacock are 30 Rock, Late Night with Seth Meyers, and Friday Night Lights. Our podcast pick for Peacock's originals is AP Bio Season 2. You can find us on Twitter at A Million Screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, so leave a review and let us know what you think. If it's good, we might read it on the air, and if it's bad, we'll try our best to delete it from the internet. This has been Libby and Leo, reminding you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.